On the very first episode of the Taylor Johnson podcast, I interviewed my mom, Gina Johnson. It was the week after the memorial service or funeral or celebration of life service for my dad who passed away a year ago. That still that sounds crazy to say a year ago, December 1st, 2019, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, my dad passed away at home with me and my mom there. And uh, after the memorial service, I interviewed my mom to talk about my dad and taking care of him. He suffered from Alzheimer's and Parkinson's for, you know, close to a decade. My mom was the main caretaker for him and she switched jobs in her company to be able to work from home to take care of him. And I kind of came in and was like substitute teacher caretaker where like I would come in when my mom needed to go out of town or just needed some help. And we talked about all that. We talked about death, talked about everything. And now it's a year, it's a year later. And man, Thanksgiving, like the whole week was just so weird to like think like, where was I at last year? What would I have been doing a year ago right now? I'd have been in the hospital or, oh, we would have been setting up the hospital bed in our living room. And it's so, it doesn't feel like a year, but also it feels like it's been 30 years. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing in the world. So this episode of the podcast has nothing to do with any of that. I'm just kidding. How funny would that be if I just like, I ramble and I was like, all right, now I'm going to interview a clown. Uh, we, we talk about clowning and it's a good time. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> this is another interview with my mom. I thought it would be good. Uh, it's been a year to follow up on the one year anniversary of my dad passing away. What, what has this year been like for my mom? What is it like to be a widow? And I mean, if you haven't heard the other interviews that I've done with my mom, uh, you're in for a treat and you definitely need to go back and listen to the other episodes. My mom is incredibly open, incredibly honest, is able to talk about heavier topics in a very like, I don't know, easygoing way. There's no like fear with talking about anything with my mom. Never. There is never, you're never afraid of what you might say. I'm, and so it just, it just makes it easier to talk about things. And so I, I hope that this is an enlightening and uplifting and encouraging conversation uh, for you, no matter what season of life that you're in, you might have all your parents, you might have like 30 parents and they're all so healthy. <laughs> Every parent that you have is a CrossFit instructor and you're like, they're never dying. Great, awesome. I, I, I still hope this conversation is encouraging to you. I, I hope that you get something out of it. Um, this is me and my mom, Gina Johnson, talking about the one year anniversary of my dad passing away. So yeah, this podcast is coming out uh, November 29th, which is two days before the one year anniversary of dad passing away. Yes. Even though he passed away on a Sunday. Right. But because of leap year, the actual date falls on Tuesday this year. Right. So yeah, we're in Thanksgiving week right now, which is when uh, everything happened with that of taking him to the hospital, him being in the hospital for a week. And then by the end of the week, bringing him home on hospice care, um, to then pass away on Sunday. Right. So this is the one year anniversary. 
What does that feel like for you? You know, it's, it seems like it's been forever Yeah. since, you know, seeing your dad and having him here in the house. But then on the other hand, I can't believe it's been a year already. Yeah. And this has been a challenging enough year, you know, with being a widow for the first time and then having COVID and all the restrictions. So this has been a tough year. Yeah. And then like to realize that, oh, it's been tough for a full year. Like just like how long that's my thought with COVID is like we've been doing this for almost an entire year. I've been wearing a mask for how long? Because it just doesn't feel like time is real anymore. And I feel like even more so for you and everything you've had to deal with. Right. Now, what I've noticed is because I'm a doer and a planner, when your dad passed away, number one, work was busy. So that kind of got me distracted and that was helpful. And then I spent a lot of time, you know, planning for his celebration service, which was in January. So the reality of my new normal that I do not like really didn't start hitting me till after his celebration service and after everybody left. And and I've heard that said is that, you know, there's so much activity going on when you're planning something like that and all the family comes in, it's almost like a reunion. But then when everybody goes, their lives go back to normal and you, the widow, have a new normal that does take some getting used to, you know, and, and it's not like, you know, I know other widows that maybe have lost their husbands when they were still working or something. So every day when they would normally come home, they, they have that moment where they realize, but, you know, because your dad was here all the time, it's, it's still a loss of what I had. And that, that part is hard. Um, but I also too, I, I miss, I miss the Alan that was my sweetheart and we did things together and we held hands when we walked into Walmart together. That's the Alan I miss. Do you find yourself crying more at like, are there specific times of day that you cry more? Not times of day, but music. Music will get me quicker than anything. And like uh, more more so now than when he first passed. Like have yes. you, you find yourself crying yes. more now. Yes. Like even what what about like when he was like in the hospital? Would you like drive like would you cry then? Or was it still cuz it's still like other focus. Like I'm right. still in caregiver mode. Yes. And thinking about someone else. Yes, because um yeah, going to the hospital every day and and when Alan became unresponsive, you know, um, I was able to take my laptop and I was able to work in his room. And so that gave me something to do and something to focus on. Otherwise, I would have been climbing the walls. Oh, but back to what makes me cry. Okay. Oh, right. So I listen to XM radio and there's a gospel music station. So there's many songs that I can be listening to it on the way to CrossFit at 545 in the morning. There was one morning where it was the old gospel song, Meet Me There. And it was about a person saying that they're going to meet their loved one in heaven. Oh, Oh, my goodness. I got there and there were tears and everything. And so the five o'clock class was coming out. And so one of my one of my male friends was there and I said, Jonathan, I said, come over here. I said, hug me. I need a, I need a big man hug. And he said, Gene, I'm all sweaty. I said, I don't care. I said, just hug me. I just needed, you know, because yeah, that makes the tears come. Um, songs like that or love songs, you know, kind of that bittersweet. Oh, um, there's a song from a musical. I had a love of my own, like you, I had a love of my own. And it's like, yeah, I did. And now I don't. And that's sad. 
What is the worst part of living alone? Eating meals alone. And yeah. that's why I'll have the TV on just for the noise, just for the... I, it sounds silly, but for the companionship, you know, that there's yeah. there's noise in the house and it's not so quiet. And, you know, the good news is I get to talk to people during the day, you know, with my job. So I don't miss that part. But then when you put work away, there's nobody for me to talk to here at home. And so I have... I have lived alone very briefly times in my life. I've either, you know, in college I had a roommate and then, you know, husband number one and then your dad, husband number two. And so I am not used to being by myself like that. And I don't like it. I don't need alone time. You do need alone time. Everybody needs alone time. Well, okay. I will say that through this the combination of widowhood and COVID. Yeah. And and some of it, I, I think I told you that in one of your podcasts with Seth, you know, how he talked about his challenge in Bolivia. I'm now taking my widowhood as my Bolivia and saying, use this as an opportunity to grow in the Lord because he is there all the time. Mm-hmm. And I know that in my head, but my heart says... I'd like to have a physical presence, you know, I'd like to have somebody laying in bed with me. I'd like to have somebody sitting at the kitchen table eating with me. So that part I miss, but I know it's an opportunity to grow. Yeah. You can't kiss the Holy Spirit. No. Yeah. Don't don't try. I don't know. I'm sure that's like theology for somebody. For somewhere. Uh, um, you, it, It's surprising a little bit, like when I hear you talk about um, the way that you're like, you are not afraid to ask for help because I feel like because your personality is very much like you want to help, you want to do stuff. I feel like normally, traditionally, that attribute comes along with a refusal of help, right? Like Mm. people who are always like, oh, let me help you. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? When other people are like, hey, do you need, they're like, no, 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 I'm the, you know, people who always want to be the fixer. But the fact that you recognize the times that you need it, and not only that, you will be the one to like reach out because like mm-hmm. what everyone else is told is like, don't expect that from someone who's hurting. Don't expect them to tell you what they need. You need right. to like offer it because they're kind of in a place where they don't know what they need and they they need people to offer. But like you're like you're unique in that you're like, hey, I need help. Come help me. <laughs> well, and I think there's one part of that is. In, in the past when there have been people that I have helped, you know, when they're like, oh, Gina, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And I'll say, wait a minute, don't rob me of the blessing. You know, if I feel like God has prompted me to do something, if the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart that I'm supposed to do something, don't rob me of the blessing. You know, you, you accept it. And, and if you were praying about something, then don't question how God is going to give you the answer. It might be from an individual or who knows what. Um, but yeah, because I am not shy, I don't hesitate to ask for something that I need. For example, in thinking about the anniversary of your dad's death, because it is going to fall on Tuesday after everyone has been here for Thanksgiving, but then everybody goes home. Probably a month ago, I reached out to my two best friends at work and said, hey, December 1st is a Tuesday and I need to be busy that day and I don't want to eat any meals alone that day. So we're scheduled to eat lunch at Cheesecake Factory on on the December 1st. And then I reached out to other friends to say, I need to have dinner with people. So we've already got those things set. 
Everybody put it on their calendar over a month ago because I knew I was going to need that. I feel like that's so important. Like that's such a good thing. Like being able to look at like knowing yourself well enough to know when you're going to need help to be able to like schedule it. Like that's, that's, and I feel like, I mean, I want to get better at that. Or, I mean, I definitely want to think about those things, especially with, you know, being on staff at a church when there are going to be crazy busy seasons, you know, like even like, well, with me, like traveling and speaking at camps next summer, and then also like going to a camp that like, oh, after that, I'm going to be drained in a mess. I should probably schedule time for me to just sit alone in a room and like not plan any other. And I feel like, the, I don't know, that's that's the beauty of growing up to me is that you know yourself better so that you know what you will need during like difficult times. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it takes explaining that to the people who are made differently. I mean, I know you've shared before that, you know, when you would try to explain to your friends that are not introverts how you needed some downtime and they just thought you were being a party pooper, you know, you have to explain to people, this is what I need. It's nothing against you, but this is what I need. And so, you know, you explaining that to me about yourself helps me now understand I have a friend that's that way. And so, but yet she has appreciated me reaching out to her when I'm needing to have somebody to have dinner with, because then that pulls her out of her normal routine of just going home from work, putting on her pajamas by seven o'clock and, you know, just staying home and, and being like a little hermit. So I think as long as we explain to each other, you know, yeah, what people's different needs are. Now, the one need I'm not having met is your dad would always pat me on the butt and I haven't had anybody. Well, I've had my friend Katie. She she lovingly, friendly, like a sports, you know, pats me on the butt like you do a football player when they go by. But Well, you made me real nervous when you were starting. (laughs) The one need that I haven't had met, like, oh, no, no, no. no. A pat on the butt. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll mention something else. You know, they always say the firsts. After a loss are the hardest. But so many of mine came so quickly. You know, Alan died on December 1st. Our 31st wedding anniversary was 10 days later on December 10th. Christmas was then. And then a week later, New Year's with nobody to kiss. And then, you know, seven weeks later, it's Valentine's Day without anybody to, you know, have Valentine's with. So all of those firsts came so quickly that... You know, I kind of was just in the throes of it being fresh and all that. And so this week has probably weighed heavier on me because mm. it's now the final first. Now, you know, your dad was still here. So this Thanksgiving is our first without him officially. But we also, we didn't have Thanksgiving. Right. I mean, yeah, you yeah, you and I were both sitting at the in the hospital at different times, um, you know, and then I'm so Wait, grateful. what was the plan? Did we have a plan last year? Well, now, I mean, once he was in the hospital, I think we just said we were just going to uh, do No, it. before he was in the, like, w- like the months leading up to it, oh. were we just going to eat at a restaurant? Because you didn't have a, a turkey ordered. That's right. Yeah, well, yeah, probably just to make it simpler because, yeah, we went to his primary care doctor the Thursday before Thanksgiving. Mm. And... He was almost he was almost immobile at that point. And again, I thank God for the good friends that I have because that Thursday morning I had a client call I had to be on, and I called my friends Nancy and Bobby, and I said 
I need your help. I need you to help Alan get ready for this doctor's appointment. So they literally came over here, helped him get his teeth in. Nancy made him a breakfast. Oh, really? And they did all that. And they helped me get him in the car because even at that point, your dad almost couldn't walk on his own. I mean, you know, even with help, it was a challenge to get him to the car. So we saw that doctor. And then that's when the decision was he's going to go in a nursing home because it was physically too challenging to take care of him here at home. But then things, how they progressed over the weekend. And so, yeah, I guess we were either going to eat out. Or just bring something. Or just bring something back. And yeah, so we didn't really, yeah. So we didn't really have a Thanksgiving last year. With that type of help that like, like dad never put fought against it. That's why I'm so very grateful because he just accepted everything that came along. I mean, back in 2010, when he was to- told the term Alzheimer's, you know, diagnosis from the uh, ne- neurologist. And so I'm so grateful that he accepted it. You know, we we said we're in this together. And so then, then when things started, you know, being more of a challenge for him and we needed help, you know, there... The VA paid for 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 some um, caregivers to come during the day. That was helpful. He never, you know, pushed back against that. Then I had the caregiver who came at night to be with him because he had to get up several times during the night, and I needed a full night's sleep. So again, I'm very grateful that he just went along with everything. And then when you had to help him more, like help mm-hmm. him take his last shower, you had to literally be in the shower with him, and he leaned against you. Yeah. He didn't push back on that. He didn't say, I don't want Taylor to do... He just went along with everything, and that that made it easier, I will say. I just uh, preached at my church a couple of weeks ago, and I, I preached the same type of message that I preached at Dad's service. I told the story of getting in the shower with him. And like, it was a very, you know, serious moment and also very sad of like this, like this is very difficult for dad to do. But also in the back of my mind, you can't like control the things that you notice and the things that you think about. And I just remember having, because I had to like wash his butt and just being like, dad has a really lumpy butt. Is this what all older men's butt feel like? Is this what my butt is going to feel like one day? Is that a coming preview of your coming yeah. attractions? Yeah. Is that what my butt? And I just remember like, what in the world? Oh, oh right. Oh, yeah. Well, let me, let's let me, finish up Let in me here. keep preaching here. Um, the neurologist said that one of the symptoms of advancing, progressing Alzheimer's was a personality change. And I kept saying, I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing that. But I think when you and I talked again, it was, yeah, maybe... Alan's was, you know, he he had lost his ability to be, you know, sarcastic and to be quick-witted like he always was. And, you know, now every once in a while, one would just come out of the blue and he would say something. It was like, there's the old Alan. Boy, there he is, you know. But because communication was such a challenge for him, maybe that was his personality change. It was like mellowing. Yes. Because I feel like other people's personality change is them turning into who dad used to be. Like, who he's they're just being like, what? No, I don't want that. What are you doing? Stop. You're being dumb. Like, yeah. that Like that version, because I've seen, I have other people who have family members who have Alzheimer's, and I feel like they're turning into just kind of like, like that just mm. feels like who, that was more of who dad was, yeah. and like he like mellowed. Yeah. Yeah, which made it so much easier that I didn't have to, you know, Fight, fight against him and things like that. But you know, it's funny, again, back in 
in January when the celebration service was being planned and that weekend and, you know, Drew and Angel and Riley and Annabelle came down and Lisa and, you know, all the nieces and everything. I was in my planner mode. I was in my, oh boy, you know, this is having everybody here together under one roof. And, and so it wasn't, I wasn't mourning during that time because I was in, you know, yeah. planner mode. And then the service, because I wanted it to be such in a certain way. I wanted the message of the gospel there because I knew that there are people who were, who would attend in honor of me who don't ever darken the door of a church. So I was so focused on all those things that even when I, you know, watched the video again, and I mean, I was just, I feel like I was joyful that day. Um, but when I watch it now, all the songs get to me and I can be in tears. It's still the message that I wanted delivered. But now that my reality is widowhood, it's harder. And yeah, the tears come more now because the reality has set in that this is your new normal. And unless God brings another man in my path, this could be what it's like for the rest of my life. And it'll still be up to me to find joy and, and do things for other people and just accept that this might be it. Have you never said that out loud before? The look on your face, you're like, you just surprised yourself. Yeah, because there's the part of me that says I am 62 years old. I could have 25 more years on this earth. And the idea of living them all alone and single is very sad to me. But on the other hand, because I was very happily married, I have very high standards. Right. I will not accept being unhappily married, you know, and that's what... It hits me about I have some friends that were unhappily married, so they're very happy being single. Yeah. Whereas I'm at the opposite end. I I want to be married again as long as it can be good and I know it would be different, but I won't settle for just, eh, you know, I want something good. I want something, you know, I I have I want to be active and do things with someone. So it's so weird to think about you dating. I know. Heather said the same thing. She said, Mom, I'm very supportive of you and all this, but it will be so weird. And I know it would be. I mean, just. I like, maybe it's not. It's like I, it, very selfishly thinking about when it will affect me. Because like literally when I think of you dating, I immediately jump to. Is he coming to Thanksgiving? Is he coming to Christmas? What's that going to be like? Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, even when Alan and I got married, I mean, we had to blend two families because we'd both been married before, and yeah. he had Drew, and I had Heather, and then together we had you. So, you know, we we created a blended little family, but everybody was a lot younger. Right. So I'm not sure if that, you know, makes it easier. Yeah, I just, part of me cannot picture adult dating. I just, uh, but, you know, like I said, I've got some high standards and there will be a kiss on the first date because if you're not a good kisser, there's not even going to be a second date. So, oh, you know, my sorry. God. Yeah, I've got I've got my ladies and gentlemen, I am more of a prude than my mother. <laughs> yeah, because no matter who like no matter who it is, 
if it happens, there will be some like getting, you know, like t- feeling each other out as far as like, like getting, cause I feel like our family is strange and to be with our family on a Thanksgiving or on a Christmas yeah. would be a shock to some people, I feel like. And so I just, if, uh, I don't know, just just dealing with that is just going to, and then, it, then it, it's going to be so strange the whole time of like, you are not my dad. Like, you're not my dad. And then like, seeing you kiss someone, oh my <laughs> gosh. And, and, and if he can't handle us making jokes about it, because- yeah. It will ha- it will be yes. there's no way that we could not. Yes. I still say friendship is the best foundation for a relationship. I just don't know any single you men that I'm friends with. Friends. <laughs> friends with us, you know. But I mean to me, that way, if you've already had a friendship, then they already know how I am. They already know that Gina is, you know, loud and talks fast and, you know, um, that wouldn't be a surprise, you yeah. know. And yeah, I mean, I have a I have a friend that I went to high school with, and she ended up marrying her. No, I remember this. No, 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 no. Her her in law. So it's like what? So oh, not the one who married the teacher. No, no, yeah, not that. No, but so <laughs> if like it was like she married her daughter's father in law. You know, he ended up single and she wait, was single. Wait, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, wait, what? Say that again. She married her daughter's, her daughter's father-in-law. father-in-law. Yeah. So oh, she married no. she married her son-in-law's father. Wait, that then makes them step siblings. <laughs> she made the, her kid her- Well, step, yeah. Yeah. So the, the husband <laughs> no, and wife. <laughs> don't do that. The husband and wife are yeah, stepsister, stepbrother, and they're married. Oh, no. <laughs> but again, there's somebody who you already know. <laughs> that makes it a little bit easier. But honestly, Taylor, I don't know where all the single people are because they're sure not at my church because they're not a single man at my church under the age of probably 75. Well, so. how old was that? No, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm going the other way. I'm telling you, I'm going to. The only promise I made to what? you is I'll at least make sure they're older than you. So they have to be older than 30. That's yeah. the only. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> What is the youngest you will date? <laughs> you have no number. <laughs> yes, whatever. You know, and I mean, and, and I'm not saying this to brag on myself, but I've had other people say to me, Gina, I would never guess that you're 62 years old. Oh, right. So I'm hoping that, you know, some guy who's maybe 50 goes, well, hey, you know, I, I find you attractive. And I think, you know, and it's like, oh. Then I won't tell them till later how old I really am. You know, maybe it won't matter. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, um, do you like? It, is it weird for you that like I I don't know. I don't know. I, like obviously, there's no like one right answer to this, but like when you're ready to date, like the fact that like we're at a year and like talking about dad still makes you emotional. Is that weird to then, like, talk about another man? No, because to me, that's two separate things. I mean, I miss my husband that we went on trips together and did all these things and spent, you know, lots. We enjoyed each other's company and we just did everything together. So I miss that. But, yes, I've already taken steps now 
I mean, I quit wearing my wedding ring. I made a decision, and then I bought a ring just to have something on that finger because it just felt very naked. But I'm ready, but I, I pray very specifically, God, please direct that person to my path because I don't want to, you know, make a wrong choice. You know, like I said, I have very high standards yeah. on on my expectations because of what I had. You know, I had it too good to want anything less than that. Right. Yeah. So. But I also would like to say, as a seasoned single person, that American culture is what holds up marriage as like the most important ideal that everyone should be striving for all the time. And that's not Christianity. That's American culture. American culture worships you, you, you know, the nuclear family of you, you need a spouse, you need two kids, you need a house, and that's how you know you've got it, you're a complete person, you have it all. And like the church, the Bible talks about singleness in a totally different way than American culture. In American culture, you're treated as almost like a, oh, you're not complete, like you're not... Oh, like, you know, New Year's Eve, like, oh, you don't have a person to kiss or like you just you're not full until you have another person. Whereas like the Apostle Paul is like, I wish everyone stayed single because you got to do more work for the gospel. You can be put to use in a million different ways. If you're married, you have to worry about like your relationship with God, but you also have to worry about your relationship with this other person. And that's going to take up time. So you're not going to be able to do as much stuff for God. And like singleness is held up as like a a good thing. And like there are people who are called to live a life where they're single forever. And and like I, I I'm not saying you're doing this, but it does think that like in American culture, like we look down on them. Mm. Like, isn't that so sad? You haven't found your person. You're not fulfilled as a person. But like, no, they are, but like in in a different way. And so, yeah, I, there are so many people who won't find someone, you know, it would even one and, and they like do incredible things for the gospel or they still find community and find family. And that's what is so important about, like, I think in American culture, we obsess over, you know, the nuclear family. Like that's the most important thing when there are so many people who don't have that or who can't have that. And and they need the most important family in their life to be the church. Like that, that should be number one. And like everything else flows out of that. And, and it's cool to hear stories from you where like you, you clearly have that with, with friends who are Christians, who are like, our doors are always open. Mm-hmm. You can come over at any, like, oh, that's family. Yeah. That's family. Yes, you're right. And you know, if there wouldn't have been COVID, I had plans that I was going to go on any mission trip that, you know, our church was going to do that, you know, there are things like that that I can now do that I would not have the opportunity to to do when your dad and I were married, you know, um, because of his failing health and, you know, he couldn't go and things like that. So, yes. But I understand, like, I'm not saying like, stop wanting to get married again, (laughs) but... If it doesn't happen immediately, if it takes a long time, or if it never happens, who knows? Like, there is still a good, fulfilled, beautiful, joyful life available to you, even if it doesn't happen. 
yes, I guess I hadn't really thought of it like that. Because you're right, in my mind is like, oh, this is just, this is an in-between stage. And I'm hoping that there's another, you know. Yeah. And, and that's where, again, when a person prays, you do have to be open to hearing God's answer, even though it may not be an answer that you want. I mean, again, that was the theme of your dad's celebration service. I prayed for his healing, and that didn't happen. But I still trust you, God. I'm still gonna, yeah. you know, follow you, even though I didn't get the answer. But if not, the if not, and so I guess I have to keep that open with this, God. I I would like there to be someone, but if not, yeah, show me where I'm gonna have this fulfilled life. Tim Keller is a pastor who I really love. He's written some really great books, and he says, God, God answers our prayers the way we would want him to if we knew everything he knows. Which, like, that mm -hmm. blows my mind. Like, I feel like yeah. that, that's a very, like, with, if I knew everything that God knows, then. then this is what I would be asking for him to do. Because, like, he sees every, like, he knows all the possibilities of what's going to happen in the future, everything that's ever happened, all the other needs around the world, how everything is connected, and the way that he is moving and working is to bring about his purposes and just like on a scale that like is overwhelming to think about. Yeah, that, that's a good thought. That's something to keep in mind because you're right. Right now I pray from a very selfish, you know, this mm -hmm. is what I want. This is what I want. But even looking back at praying for your, you know, I mean, yes, I wanted your dad to be healed and then that would have been it. But again, I'm very grateful that God took him when he did so that he didn't have to go in a nursing home by himself and yeah. then COVID would happen and all those things. So, Well, thank you so much for doing this, Mom. You're welcome, Taylor. I hope that people enjoy this podcast as well because I remember being pretty popular on the very first one. So Yeah, 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 yeah. A little too popular. <laughs> all right, goodbye. Obviously, I want to say thank you to my mom uh, for being on the show again. Again, if, if you have not heard the other episodes with her, the first episode ever, we talk about my dad, we talk about death. Another episode, we talk about mental health, my own experience with depression and anxiety, her experience as well. Great conversations, just like this one, maybe even better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to judge them. They're great. Go listen to those other episodes. But this episode obviously is a little bit different because it's the week of Thanksgiving, like leading up to this episode. Everything was so busy and crazy. I didn't have time to do the normal things that I do. I didn't call Glendon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Glendon, if you're out there and you're listening. I'm sorry. I hope you got a PS5. I also didn't have time to record or edit uh, one of the like segments for the ending. But I do have something I want to leave you with. It's not something new but it's something that's important to me because of the season that we are about to enter. The Advent Christmas season. Everyone is playing their favorite Christmas songs and I have a favorite Christmas song too. But it's not a song that is a traditional favorite. It's not even a popular song. It's a, <laughs> because it's a song that I wrote. I wrote the lyrics to the dumbest and worst song ever. I just wrote the just the silliest, 
stupidest lyrics possible. And then I gave it to my friend, David Hale. I said, these are the lyrics. You're an incredible musician. You have a beautiful voice. You're so talented and so creative. Would you turn this into a song? But here's what I want you to do. Even though these are the dumbest lyrics, even though this is so stupid, I want you to treat it like this is the most serious, beautiful song ever written. Don't let on that it's a joke. Don't let on that you know that these lyrics are silly. Take it seriously and write a beautiful song. And he did just that. This is a romantic, beautiful song for Christmas. And <laughs> I don't even want to tell you the name of the song. It doesn't matter. You'll hear it in the song. Um, it's not a true story, but it's still, it's going to tug on, like this is the new Christmas shoes. This is our generation's Christmas shoes. That's how incredible this song is. Please enjoy this song I wrote the lyrics to. Go ahead, here, listen. Listen to it. Here it is. When we were young, you played the pig and I played the horse in the Christmas church production. You were so beautiful And I, a dumb horse, was in love Falling in love, falling in love The look in your eyes, the hope in your smile I thought I was sick with love But I was sick with a virus And that's why I threw up all over your face your smile on your big costume all over the stage Vomit in love, vomit in love I went to the hospital that day And you followed a day later Cause some of my puke got up in your eye And it caused a bad infection Pig girl. 
have it it's beautiful it's powerful it's stuck in your head the rest of your life i want to thank my mom for being on the show i want to thank david hale and drew johnson who who produced that and mixed it david uh did all of the instruments and uh vocals incredible beautiful i did the dumb words doesn't matter who cares uh i want to thank i want to thank you for listening i want to thank you for your support we're doing this together thank you so much We'll be back in two weeks with another new episode of the Taylor Johnson Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog. It's the greatest podcast that's ever existed, and it's going to change your whole ding-dong life. Goodbye.